Hey, welcome to episode 75 of the Thodcast Conversations about Animation. I'm your host, Philip Elke, and I'm broadcasting from northern Minnesota. And I'm joined by three fellow Minnesotans on today's very special episode, bringing you some Disney magic on uh, the Thodcast. And first of all, I will introduce our cast, starting with Hannah Lee Smart. How's it going, Hannah? Hello. Um, I am so obsessed with this movie. I'm so glad that we have Courtney joining us today. And I'm so interested to hear what everyone thought about our newest Disney princess. Awesome. Dawson, welcome once again, my brother Dawson Elke. How's it going? Hey, good. Good to be here. And introducing for the first time on the Thodcast, we have Courtney Schultz coming in from uh, the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. Twin Cities. Awesome. Thanks well, for having welcome. me. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing? What did you? Uh, are you uh, coming off this movie strong, or or do you have uh, mixed feelings? What is what is your temperature on this right now? You know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I watched it for the first time yesterday, and I watched it again this morning so I'm super excited to kind of go over um Raya and her character and just everything about the movie it's super fun Raya and the Last Dragon holy crap this uh this is a big deal a big movie I could not get enough of this film I've seen it twice now um I I don't know I think uh we're all gonna enjoy this uh, for various myriad reasons and um let's uh let's go let's uh Get on this ride here. Um, Dawson, what did you think? I liked this film. Um, I, l- let's see, where to begin? Um, I really liked the structure, the overall outline, the, the mythic structure, the outline, the plot, the world of the film as overall broad strokes that it was gorgeous, the animation. Uh, well, I've got my issues with modern Disney animation, especially when it comes to characters, but in terms of like the architecture and the landscapes, gorgeous, beautiful. Um, I've been so excited to see a, an, an Asian themed animated film with swords and here it was. And like, as I said, I, I love the story structure ideas of it that I'm, I'm, I've still been trying to like think about because I watched it this morning um but I did not enjoy watching it in the middle that's not a lot I did mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> I have mixed I have mixed feelings there were moments uh, where I, you maybe felt a little I, I could not stand Sisu um I didn't oh, like sure. the dialogue um it, it, when this is when the movie when the movie lost is a, is a, the wrong word because like I still like I liked it and I kept like I liked watching it but when it was okay so it starts and it's beautiful and it's mesmerizing and it's engaging and she's she runs she's going to steal the gem but it's too easy and then the guy is there and it's her dad and they have this cool and he talks about you know the exposition was beautiful about the how the dragon saved the world and we're protecting the gem and then he calls this assembly and then the two girls meet and they're like it's like cool and they're like oh yeah i'm a big dragon nerd too the moment they said dragon nerd i was <laughs> out i was out the movie lost me and i said oh no Oh no! So and here we go. The and language then, yeah. use in this movie, though, is not like 
trying to be classical sounding because there's even opening narration which bold choice to use opening narration and flashback and and even this cool like uh, paper puppetry sequence uh but you know she she used the word dystopian you know yeah I know oh, that annoyed thinking. me too that annoyed me too um, <laughs> um it very much gave me like emperor's new groove vibes at the beginning mm-hmm. like similar kind of uh like they're telling the story but they're in the story and then it pulls like a focus point i thought it was very similar in structure to that movie um i also kind of didn't like when they called themselves like dragon nerds and like talked more normal-ish i guess like more modern day but i think only because i expected it to be more proper and in movies like tangled I think that they did a similar thing, but the vibe was a little different. I also thought the animation was kind of similar to Tangled, but this one just seemed like it was supposed to be more proper. Yeah. And then yeah. the the language was like a little more like modern. But I think I like that because there's so many like different like stereotypes and I thought it was cool. Also, Aquafina, like as an actor, like looking back on the casting i probably should have expected that because aquafina is like so chill um yeah i they're like it's probably it's a subjective opinion i'll I'll chalk it up to that no problem um and uh, if you want to have this just constantly goofy sounds when everyone talks like a a teenager playing Fortnite all the time if you want it to sound like that (laughs) that's fine and you can, it's just immediately for me, there was this clash of tones where they set up this beautiful, serious mythic world of warring tribes and ancient dragon lore. And and I was, I was the movie, even, yeah, there were moments of dialogue where she's like, awesome job, tuck, tuck. And it's like, okay, so there's some Disney fun, but like, but overall it, I felt like it was taking itself seriously. And I was really excited to see a Disney animated film take itself seriously um, for the maybe first time in a while. Um, but it no, was, yeah, not a musical, the, the last Disney animated film just for context, uh, was frozen to 2019. Uh, so this is the first, uh, Walt Disney animation studios film of t- the 2020s. It's the 62nd of that legacy. Um, and it, uh, is the first Southeast Asian Disney princess. Um, so I don't know if, if anyone's familiar with this show, you probably get a general have gotten a general sense of like our, our tastes in film animation. Courtney, let's get you in a little bit. Um, what what are your favorite animated films, Disney films? What where are you coming at this from kind of as a fan? Well, I'm kind of biased for Moana because I play her. <laughs> yeah. And I really um enjoy her story um but you know I wanted to go into this with a fresh mind not just thinking like oh the creators of Moana and Frozen 2 like going into that that mindset trying to create Raya and The Last Dragon is a separate thing so I didn't have any of those biases Mm -hmm. um but I think the biggest takeaway for me is how much of Southeast Asian culture they put into it not all of it was accurate and I myself is not I'm not Southeast Asian mm-hmm. but there are a lot of like really fun references like especially with I think of like the terrain and the floating markets that's very Thailand Bangkok have you ever heard of those famous 
floating markets and oh, that yeah. was um talon the region of talon too um and then you have the bamboo forest which is kind of like more northern southeast asia and um you know also the food as well i don't know those were like kind of like my biggest takeaways and where it really like hit my heart is just seeing all of these references and i also got really legend of korra avatar the last airbender vibes when they talk about the five nations of kumara with the tail talon spine fang and heart you know like yeah. four nations kind of thing mm -hmm. loved all that very reminiscent um but good <laughs> i i like just the simple setup it makes a lot of sense that like they would name these regions after just the anatomy of a dragon, I, it's its elegant in my mind. I don't know if anyone thought it was silly or a bit simplistic. One thing about uh, dragons in Southeast Asia is um, dragons are water dragons. Hmm. So so they make that reference to, I don't know the particular names of what uh, the Philippines or um, Thailand named their dragons, but hmm. um, that's definitely a East Asian um reference because in the west you kind of think of fire dragons oh, yeah. right mm -hmm. um so that they're supposed to be like water dragons or their lore comes from water dragons i should say i actually thought um when sisu ate like the spicy sauce or whatever i thought they were going to do a fire dragon thing and I'm kind of glad that they didn't because I think that's literally all kids have as a reference to dragons. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand like anything about dragons except for that they breathe fire. So it was cool to me that Sisu like didn't spit fire in that moment. They kept too things. Spicy. Yeah, simple. <laughs> but, you know. Me, every time I go to Taco Bell. <laughs> Just uh, specifically water in this film and like water does weird things it doesn't behave according to the laws of physics strictly it even seemed like the way the river works seemed a little curious how like it ends in these tributaries uh you would think mm -hmm. you know the the what places where she's you know following the the um the flow of the river would be the regions where you know things would start trickling in and and then it would and you know the mouth of the river would be some kind of ocean or something but you know that that's irrelevant this is a fantasy world um it's, just, it's yeah. very yeah it's very f f myth it's like myth in a really true myth sense because when you sometimes you read folklore you know from many different cultures you know from greek to native american to what have you i mean sometimes i mean it's literally like the water was a like the water that we are on now was a dragon once yeah. like this water was or is a dragon and so it was you know cool that they they set up such i love that they set up such a a truly mythic world where the river and the water that was the source of their civilization was in the shape of a dragon and they named it talon and tail and everything it's like it's very refreshingly simple fairy tale myth in a in just a, a cool way and uh, the symbolism of the water throughout i, I thought was lovely and and gorgeous um uh, and i love that as a yeah well speaking of the food before we get too far away from that um there's there's one piece of cuisine on here that sort of made me curious which was the 
it looks like one of those table ornaments, which is like the rings all coiled in this one ball, like like a rubber band ball. Is that an actual culinary item in Asia? Do you remember that? See that remember when the they ball were, thing when it was they... on the sticks and they were they were yeah. talking to each other. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that is. I think okay. when um, I think it's like some sort of treat. It's definitely yeah. not like a meatball or anything. I know it's just <laughs> meatball. Just reminded me of like, yeah, some of these coffee table ornaments that people have, you know, just sitting there and it's like, ooh, I, I whenever one fight. That I really give Disney props on. They always have like the fine details like that super figured out. Mm. The food like, looked really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Something else that looked really good, a little off topic the tears in their eyes. I lived for those. Like, when she was crying, obviously it was sad. Like, I wasn't excited to see it, but I thought that it looked really cool. Mm. Anytime anybody, like, cried. Mm-hmm. It was very cool. Um, I think because in Show Yourself Frozen 2, I was just so obsessed with Elsa's, like, eyes swelling up like that. Like, that was such a powerful moment to, like, see that type of, like, tear again. I just thought it was a really cool, like animated thing. It's impressive. It's yeah. Real. Not like yeah. real, but you know what I mean. Well, the level oh, yeah. of detail in these, I mean, it's gotten to the point where it's it's like more detailed than like real life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like she had Raya had pores. Yeah. Like me too. Like I work so hard to not have them, but like <laughs> we all have them and it's like insane. Did they do motion capture for some of the performance in this film? Probably just reference, uh, okay. video references. It's very cool. Yeah. Well, uh, Something uh, that I never figured out too is why did they all do the pose? Um, it's like all of the dragons and her father and everyone was doing that same thing with their hands pretty much whenever they were that. turned to stone. Is that a traditional pose? Is it? Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I don't. I don't something? have. A, I don't have a lot to say on this necessarily, but like, I I did keep noticing these little asynchronous details throughout, where and I was just like, I wonder what that means. I wonder what that means. And right, they which I knew they probably weren't going to outright explain because there were a lot of really rich symbolic details. For one thing, the little circle uh, salute that they made was over mm-hmm. their heads for most of the film, and then at the end when they had restored the the ball and they were all together. Back oh my god, in the um, they what's that? <laughs> Nothing. No, no, don't I just worry about it. <laughs> oh, um, then they then they made that symbol over their hearts. It wasn't over their heads anymore. It was it was over their hearts. Oh my um, god, I didn't notice that, Dawson. That's so cute. Yeah, I loved that. I didn't know that. I did not notice that either. I so as far so the handoff. It was so cool that like this 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 evil force was washing over them and turning them into stone and instead of just freezing them as they were they all entered this this receptive um it was very baptismal in a sense as if we are awaiting new birth Mm -hmm. we are awaiting new life like our our corruption has turned us into these stone creatures and we are Mm -hmm. waiting for the rebirth of the dragon of the water to pour into our hands and and to receive again Um, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it was I, I love I love the symbols of, of of water, baptism, rebirth, Eucharist even was in there with the chalice. It was the Eucharist. It was a submissive, yeah. I, 
Actually, Dawson, that's so smart. Um, something that I really like appreciated in this movie is it had such a good moral to the story, but it wasn't like shoved in your face. Like they'll mention it. They'll be like, oh, like you need to like trust one another and be more kind and like those types of like Disney things. But it wasn't so obsessive. It was more like a hint. It's like when you're trying to get like a little kid to like eat all their vegetables and you're like, oh, like, you know, like you tell them like, well, did you know that if you eat broccoli or if you eat carrots, like you'll see so good, like whatever. Mm -hmm. I think it was very, um, very kid friendly messaging. Yeah. Good message about trust. Um, It was, yeah, it was pretty, it was obvious, but it wasn't irritating. Um, yeah, they did use the word trust explicitly a few times, but it was so good to see people not live up to that. I loved how many times people betrayed each other. I, I loved it. I was like, <laughs> yes, the when they were they were friends right away and they went into the the uh, the the gem sanctum. I was like, I hope she betrays her. And she did. Oh so I was really gosh, Dawson. <laughs> I feel like that part was so like predictable, though, like to me, well, when, I was when, shocked. We're. <laughs> I saw it coming from a mile away. I think it's because as like a real person in the real world, I, I resonate with the, with, with older Raya, how she was betrayed and she like has like this distrust of people. And as an adult, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm like, and I work in customer service too, as like my normal (laughs) job. That kind of tells you anything. Uh My distrust of people have just like, has plummeted. So I was like, she is definitely going to betray her once they go into the chamber. (laughs) Well, I guess having seen some of the trailers too, you know that this uh, Namari is one of the chief antagonists of the film uh, from the Fang uh, tribe. They, the, I guess yeah, the, they're from the Fang region. Yeah, the region. Yeah. I don't know what they call the kingdoms. The, the The chief of Fang has a name here. Of, uh, uh, find my in, entirely inscrutable notes here. Oh, Verana, Chief Verana, General Atitaya from the Fang kingdom. Um, well, of course, Kumandra is sort of the you know, complete civilization here. Um, one nation divided into, you know, the five tribes. Um, the f- four other tribes are jealous of heart because that's the home to the dragon gem uh, that was responsible for restoring Kumandra 500 years earlier. Uh, when the dragons sacrificed themselves to eliminate the Droon, uh, the, the chief antagonists of this film are these spiritual entities known as the Droon. And they, they, it's a very interesting like visual effect that would have been very difficult to do, I'm sure, even you know 10 years ago. Like, it's a very sophisticated sort of simulation, I feel, that that is that has gone into rendering these creatures it's kind of cool looking it's very much like the the ether from thor the dark world you know the red infinity stone power thing it's just this mire of just dark 
power and energy. I don't know. What what do you guys think of the drone? Smoky dark purple stuff. I I did appreciate it from a technical standpoint. What you just said, I kind of assumed was the case that I, that they were achieving something technically impressive, but mm-hmm. just the fact that it was the smoky monster, I found pretty cliche and boring and and non-threatening. Um, there wasn't. I was never. I never was scared or sensed any real threat kind of from everything, uh, from anything. It was like, this is a force of badness and it, it yeah, it just wasn't that like creepy or anything yeah. to me, but. Um, you know what it, it reminded me of? Yeah, go ahead. It reminded me of an Obscurus exploding in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yes. Mm. Like it was the exact animation, except they added purple. That's right. Oh my gosh, Courtney, I thought you were gonna say what I thought it was. Which is that um that Pokemon that's like a little gas ball? Ghastly. Gas- <laughs> that's literally what I thought the whole time. I was just like, oh my god, this is like if you ever played Pokemon Snap on Nintendo 64, that is like they're like going down the little river and they look over and they see like the gas Pokemon. Are, are they uh repelled by water? I don't know. I, I was barely allowed to play because it was a one-player game and it was my brother's oh. Nintendo. It, so what it really reminded me of, the you know, these uh, creatures, these demons or whatever. They, you, have you ever seen Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within? <laughs> the original, Yeah. Well, you know, the, the spiritual creatures in that movie, like, they're not necessarily malevolent per se, but they... Anytime they come into contact with a living creature, they just sap the, the life force out of humans. And it's, it's just really creepy. Like, you don't want to get touched by these things because they'll just suck your soul out of your body. It's funny you mentioned Final Fantasy because Square or Square Enix, now the company that made that film, makes Kingdom Hearts, which is what this reminded me of because in Kingdom Hearts, the power of darkness and the heartless, is it's shadowy purple shadows so it, it looked exactly like that, that so i remember that reference too now i remember thinking in the movie i was like if they ever make a next kingdom hearts game if they don't have this movie in it they they lost already okay so you know kingdom hearts courtney i play kingdom hearts yes okay <laughs> so i had a moment when i was like hold up ba called Rhea a princess of heart. Right. And I was like, I'm, excuse me? <laughs> if, they, if they ever make a Kingdom Hearts 4 and they don't use Raya and the Last Dragon as a world, I'm going to be disappointed. I'll be disappointed too. I, I wonder if they had any idea about Kingdom Hearts when they made this film and when they used this specific title, Princess yeah. of Heart, because I was like, whoa. <laughs> Well, when Frozen 1, when the first Frozen was coming out, they Square Enix apparently knew about the movie and added it to the storyline as they were like producing Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts, Hearts 3. 3. Yeah. Um, but the rumor is is that the original way that they kind of developed that level was a little too dark of how the movie came out. Oh. Which is why when you play Kingdom Hearts 3 in the Frozen level, it just feels like nothing's there. You're just going up a mountain. You don't yeah. even get to go and into the castle. Searching right? for Olaf's body parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so nice to have someone to talk Kingdom Hearts with. Um, <laughs> I'm alone on this podcast in that. Um, 
Yeah, here's me like sitting here like, so Philip. Well, it's appropriate because this entire movie (laughs) is basically a fetch quest. And that's not, I don't mean that as a pejorative. Uh, In the best way. Thank you. um, It was cool to have it be this grand quest where it's like, okay, she needs to go to the five kingdoms and get the five things. And mm, yeah, like, I don't know. You, You compared this to Raiders of the Lost Ark or like the, the, the dungeoneering aspects to like what you find in a, and it was like, it, to me, it was a, it was a shallow version of that. Where I, I like this movie almost as much as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Would, and that's you would. I'm not one surprised. of my, and that's saying a lot because Raiders is like my third favorite movie of all time. Maybe. Yeah. So, uh but no i think this movie did so many things right it did plenty of things you know kind of questionably but i you know the, the good so so far always the bad but yeah the the indiana jones is strong with this film oh my gosh especially with her little um tuck tuck her little friend yeah. <laughs> kids are going to go wild and all of them are gonna want like their own little tuck tuck and honestly i would not be shocked if like gerbils were like a thing i love the the idea of tuck tuck and how she rode him through the wastes like that was rad but how the heck does it work does that <laughs> saddle stay on and does she stay on the saddle is it is it magic or from what i was like looking at it like i think he like bites like a little like rod when he's like all curled up you know and then it like rotates in between his teeth and his body I might be completely wrong. He might be also like holding it. So it's like rotating. It's plausible. And it like is probably a technology that's existed for a while as these have been raised as like, uh, you know, uh, beasts of burden probably by this civilization for for generations. I mean, you can you can like run on a rolling ball, but only because you have counter motion going on. And you can like and then BB eight has the magnetis magnet magnetics magnet head attached to his rolling ball, but just a stagnant like leather saddle. I don't I don't see how that would work unless and I I can't visualize what you just described because I was trying to look for it. But it maybe there maybe there is some contraption that I just missed. Maybe he makes it himself, though, because all of his little things uh little sections kind of look leathery so maybe he just has one that goes (laughs) (laughs) there's a special kind of ball bearing i don't know uh, contraption with a drive shaft disney magic (laughs) disney magic yeah physics don't really work when there's disney magic involved right exactly you can logically think about anything but there will always be like the bippity bobbity boo factor that will prove you wrong for no reason. Uh, I mean, uh, the the whole like con baby thing, you know, was it got <laughs> yeah. me worried watching the trailers, but it worked for me ultimately. But like, uh, was, that was another annoying aspect. For me. I was just like, okay, this <laughs> this child is clearly possessed. You know, demons exist in this world. Whatever, she's capable of these profound acrobatics because she's got some animal spirit that's haunting her or something. No. raised by these monkeys <laughs> they, they they all the kids in this movie move like quicksilver by the way yeah that well that yeah that's and that you could chalk that up to stylus 
to it being a stylistic choice, just how rapid so much is. Because it's an animated movie, so you can do that. You can exaggerate. That That's fine. Um, there were so many moments, though, where they were just like, they put that in to make the children in the theater go, ha ha. <laughs> the toot bug. <laughs> and the, and the little baby butt. Baby. Um, <laughs> I watched it with my three-year-old cousin. And when they showed the baby's butt, that was the biggest laugh he had the whole movie. Oh, bad. Like, it was hilarious. And, like, we didn't talk about it, but he, like, giggled pretty hard. Nice, nice. Kids love that dumb, like, little, like, cheeky, pun intended, yeah. humor. They kind do. Of They'll hate style. it later, but they love it now. Oh, um, that's fine. We, we like to be that, cheeky on this podcast. <laughs> no. Yeah, we love to be cheeky. Um, something that I really valued was that she is such a modern princess and I think it kind of made it so um because truly in modern times you don't have just like quote-unquote traditional not that I like love that word but like families in the sense of like mom dad boy girl kid you know like how like picturesque you know like 50s housewife families are Hmm. I really love that like the baby was alone and um tong the guy from um wherever uh um, spine. spine yeah spine was alone and raya was alone and sisu was alone and all of these people were alone and then they chose to come together and kind of be their own version of like a family because they just needed each other um something that i usually don't appreciate is like violent intent so I don't love like you know like fighting scenes and swords and that kind of stuff in kids movies not because I think those things aren't real and like don't happen I just think that like it in turn makes kids want to like whack each other with swords and so as someone that is constantly around kids I just, that's something that I'm like, oh gosh, now I'm going to have to tell them like, that's not a sword. Like, don't kick each other. Um, That's something that I'm like, oh my gosh. But she is such a different princess. Like if you compare Raya to like Cinderella, totally different, right? But they each have a message of learning to like trust yourself and like follow your heart kind of a thing. Um, I don't know. So she's definitely a modern princess because never have I ever or will we ever see Cinderella like kicking down like her ex-BFF. A lot of emphasis on action here, which was kind of present from the outset, I'm sure. Um, You know, they wanted to do like a serious martial arts film. So, yeah, the violence factor is... um, very prevalent but it's you know if i didn't mention it, it's one of my favorite elements of this movie is definitely the fights <laughs> it's yeah. just yeah that was the first moment in this film where i was really like this thing is clicking um when, when i loved she- her i loved her um her bamboo weapons yeah you know mm. when the uh when she's like pulling them out from the bamboo sticks right yeah very like reminded me of um like Muay Thai kind of that style but I think it's from what I read online it's it's based off a uh martial arts style in the Philippines yeah yeah I believe so 
didn't she say something about blades in that sequence? You're not sure that she's going against her father in the beginning. It, it, it seems like she's just dungeon crawling and then she's gotten to the boss uh, mm -hmm. with this, this mask bad guy. Um, but yeah, she's only, she's not using actual blade. She's, I mean, those, uh, the sticks, you know, are obviously capable of being just as deadly, but, uh, well, they were nerding out over what weapons they liked and yeah. she's picked blades. Um, they both pick blades cause they're sensible and love swords. As well, there's the chain said. blade. That's pretty, uh, Ivy <laughs> Valentine from soul Calibur. Yeah. <laughs> I hate chain blades, but they're still so much fun. You just, you can't get away from it. Um, they don't make that's, any sense. But, that's the rule of cool at, yeah. at work. Yeah. It, it physically makes very little sense. She even uses it as like links, um, grappling hook later in the film. It's, it's the leap from the lion's head sequence uh, when, when they're in that tomb at the tail to retrieve the one piece that's held in the hand of the skeleton like it's you know willy uh captain what, what's his name one-eyed willy oh, one-eyed <laughs> willy from yeah. the Goonies. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes uh, yes yes but you know yeah all these just um touchstones of adventure films um yeah uh, uh the worst part of her sword was how fat the cross guard was. It'd just be too much weight and un unwieldy and mess up the whole balance. And then uh, what's her name? Uh, Namari, her Namari. daggers, uh, their cross guards were turned down towards the hand, which is far less practical than having them upward or straight off. But that's wow, okay. That's I didn't know you guys that. knew so much about this. I, I love swords. Okay. okay yeah. Aside from the swords, because I didn't really look at the weapons, um, but uh, I sent Jody this thing. Um, we've been researching just to kind of find uh, the correct, um, like, costume pieces. I guess, like, research her outfit and that culture, and make sure that we're being aware because there's so many different cultures um, in Asia, and we were talking about, uh, you know, like in Frozen 2, how they had their outfits that they used for all the ads, and then the park's outfits were the ones that nobody saw until the movie came out, right? Mm -hmm. So we were talking about that, and then I found um, a source that talks about all of the different garbs in different um, Asian cultures, and how, like, kimonos are Japanese, which, like, I did not know, and they were just talking about all the different things and how Raya kind of is a billion times more accurate than Mulan and those are just close in proximity obviously because they're both like Asian princesses but it really went into um, this person it was literally just like um, talking about how in media we don't want to make those things incorrect so it's cool that they tried harder in this one I think truly right now in our social climate we're more aware of those things and we need to protect those cultures and tell kids how cool they are how cool like exploring different things is and isn't this princess awesome and like here's something about like where she's from and just dressing them correctly and them eating the right foods in the film and things like that makes kids want to explore those cultures because this movie, I think for kids is gonna be 
It's going to be a big deal. Okay, one <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, you know, got babysitting duties right now. I think um, <laughs> um, I just think that it's going to motivate kids to want to see those differences, and I'm really excited to explore them. Well, it's fantasy, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> well, producer Osnett, sure. Well, the, this is an interesting fact where if you want to uh, live it up, get a job at Disney Animation because they took research trips to several countries in Southeast Asia, including Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, Vietnam, Singapore, Indonesia, and the Philippines. Man, what a wild vacation that would be. Um, but also great that they did their research. Um, yeah, and that, yeah, I uh, definitely got like... Um, you know, when they were in heart, for example, um, there's, um, a part of Vietnam where they have these, these giant rock structures that have, um, all this foliage, foliage in it. Um, I can't remember the, the, the name and place of it, but it's a very popular tourist site. Um, I also got like Angkor Wat vibes from Cambodia. Oh, yeah. Cool. You know, that ancient temple mm -hmm. where it, they have like. Oh my god, it's so cool! It's yeah, one of like I'll, my top I'll, uh, places I want to visit. Cambodia, yeah. Well, there's so much incredible, nice. diverse architecture in that region. It's stunning, uh, gorgeous yeah. cultures. Cool. Okay, Angkor Wat is spelled A-N-G-K-O-R-W-A-T. Okay, yeah, the, like the three spires. They're kind of pine cone shaped. Or, well, there's, there's three that are prominent in the front, but there's a bunch um, of these spires that, that shoot up in the air. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was like Angkor Wat was a, oh, what do they call it? They called it the, the temple city. Okay. So um, they have all of these different structures inside, um, beautiful different types of sculptures with um, Buddhist faces and everything like that like top notch i definitely want to visit there one day super cool and i liked how you know um like i said before i could kind of see that kind of uh you know development in the film too where they took inspiration from all of these different places in southeast asia right it was prominent but because it's the fantasy world of Kumandra with Absolutely, fantasy regions, yeah. you know, so they're not taking Angkor Wat and putting Correct. it in Fang mm -hmm. and they're right. not necessarily taking, you know, a Vietnamese, this is a Vietnamese ceremonial garb and we're going to have all of our citizens of Talon wear that. It's, you know, right. it's, it's inspired, it's well-researched, it's respectful and it's evocative. And yeah, it's, but for absolutely, this would make me um, interested as a child in, in learning more about like, I mean, just as like, uh, you know, Western fantasy does too, where it's like you learn about castles and, and dragons and knights and stuff. And you want to know like, what's the real history there? Where does all this come from? And then you learn about it. And then same thing with, you know, and for me that my fascination with Asian culture um, started, you know, from, uh, well, they, they take place in history, but they're fantasized versions of Chinese history. And you, there's all these amazing uh, Chinese heroes and characters and, and you want to know about them and like where they come from. And then you do the real research and you find out the real beautiful. And so you've got the wonderful creativity of the fantasy world and then the 
the heart and soul of where it came from in real life. And it's just, yeah, it's, um, it's amazing. So, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to see all of this brought to life in such a fantastical setting. Mulan walked so Raya could run, you know, these movies have gone so, so massive. Um, and it doesn't feel like too cumbersome or strained, uh, but it easily could. Um, they just, they do a lot of work to try to make these movies feel natural, uh, organic kind of, you know, th there's a lot of like good character detail and stuff, but it's very much a collaborative process, which I know can be, you know, it can sometimes feel overwrought and trite uh, when, when there are too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, but I don't know. I, I think overall it, it worked very well for me. And I, I actually do have a lot of appreciation for the style of like brain trust, collaborative storytelling that they do at these animation studios. Um, you know, it's a perfect environment for it where, you know, they don't have to worry about the day-to-day -day concerns of like a live action production and everything is just, can be perfectly tailored um, throughout the production process but um, it, it this process is largely based around some of the themes in this film which which are trust and um, collaboration generosity you know being willing to be generous with your ideas and not take things personally not get your identity or um, sort of ego wrapped up in in the work but let the best ideas win uh, overall. I mean, the, the way to sort of regulate these things is that they do have like a strong emphasis on the directors having final say. Uh, this movie has four credited directors, two main directors, Don Hall from Big Hero 6 and Carlos Lopez Estrada, who created um, the, the crap. He's from TV, I believe. The left, no, no, I, I'd have to... Uh, pull his info up again but uh, and then Paul Briggs and John Rippa who have been longtime artists at, uh, at Walt Disney Animation um, usually in the story department but um, yes lo lots of um, you know rec uh, major talent that went into this the the screenwriters were uh, Ki Nguyen and Adele Lim um, and I think Paul Briggs, I actually met Paul Briggs uh, at an autograph signing. And I think he's one of the originators of this idea. He was head of story on Frozen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just some context for you. But um, overall, there's, there's a certain method to the producing these films that kind of stands in contrast to the very ego driven style of most of Hollywood. Um, but but it generally works, and that's why, say, Pixar has such a proven track record. Um, speaking of like the themes of the film, you know, related to trust, we we should get into the character Sisu, uh, the the dragon. Um, Dawson, you mentioned you didn't really care for the voice. I enjoyed uh, it. I thought... voice, not a problem with the voice. Oh, okay. I, the, I mean, well, okay. I didn't love the voice, but it's not so much the voice as just the way they talk, the way they sound like middle schoolers playing Fortnite. And, oh, I'm a, I'm a water dragon. I, I slaughter when I hit the water. I'm so good at my swimming. I'm like, you know what? And I, this is my girl, Ray. And, you know, we, yeah, yeah. and she's like, oh, I'm just, a, I'm a silly. Because the setup was so beautiful and evocative. She's riding across the wasteland. She comes to the, to the sacred fountain, and it's this 
beautiful film with this beautiful, serious, you know, world stakes. And she, you know, plants the chalice and does the ritual and then summons okay. the dragon, the last dragon. And she's okay. a farce. Um, and it, <laughs> I love the idea that, you know, the dragon who was the one who made the sacrifice and was the hero in her own story back then was like the last person you'd expect, you know, it was like, Oh, my brothers and sisters, they are the ones with the real power. And I, I'm just like, I was, I was the weak one. Like I'm not much of a hero. So I was excited to see like Ray is on this journey to become a hero. And then I thought it was going to be really cool to see this dragon go on a journey of also becoming a hero, you know, side by side with her. Um, she was mostly ridiculous throughout, but had some had some great moments though, where she, you know, did quiet down and get serious and, you know, have some some solemn things to say. Uh, I, I just would have, I, and then, again, it's personal taste, sure. Um, I would have loved to see them try to just maintain a more serious tone. I don't think you're going to alienate kids by having a, you know, and a more serious movie overall, uh, just with a, a more elevated, lofty, you know, mythical tone. But they they definitely brought uh, what's the word and um, uh, I can't remember the word right now. But anyway, um, also okay. And then the design uh, hated hated the design. She looks like a furry. All the dragons look oh, like furries. Oh. They look like furry costumes and just Easter egg colors mm -hmm. and soft and fuzzy and cat-like and cute and no power that, or intimidation or- Whimsical maybe? Was that the oh. word you were looking for? Uh, no, and to take something elevated and, and bring it oh, down. Okay. Um, kind of, uh, bye my love, my wife is leaving. Um, okay. so, she's, sorry. <laughs> um, Ah, what is the? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, by the way, uh, Carlos Lopez Estrada, the acclaimed film he directed was uh, Blind Spotting from 2018. So uh, check out Blind Spotting for more uh, Carlos Lopez Estrada. But, anyways, yeah. And that's a live action film. He actually comes from live action. I actually had the opposite reaction to Sisu. I just wanted to like throw that out there. Yeah, please. I think that like kids are going to buy that stuffed animal because it does have like fun, cute, like Eastery colors, I guess. Like, you better believe they're going to buy that stuffed animal. <laughs> yeah, they're going to buy it. And it also her form and how sisu looks i think is really great for marketing because it does look like a stuffed animal it does look like an action figure like how she was animated i think gives them so much in marketing which is honestly truly a huge part of disney's animation at this point like animating a character that you know is going to sell out in like a stuffed toy or even like a mcdonald's toy she'll be all of those things and it's easy to market her because she'll always be like a fun bright color and with Raya's outfits being less bright and fun um I think they needed that to balance her out just visually and I thought that she was almost like the comic relief in a lot of the serious moments and the whole message about like trusting people you learned to trust her because she was so like goofy and fun. And that's something that I think lots of kids need is to have like that goofy, fun, more friend like person in their life so that they can trust them. 
when they like think that they're going to get in trouble the other way, if that makes sense. How about uh, you, Courtney? What do you think of Sisu? Um, I, I, I feel a mix of both. I feel as Dawson's point is, is, is true. And then also Hannah's voice, Hannah's point of view is true too. Like mm. right away, um, you know, as they set it up, making it all serious and, and then having Sisu come out being all goofy, um, very predictable and Disney-like in my opinion. Um, just with that, but I also, you know, she did have some really good redeeming qualities about her and I wouldn't say that she necessarily got like super serious. She was herself about certain situations and, um, you know, there was just so much empathy in Sisu, um, and in every situation that she looked at too, which is hard to find. And when you, for for a character like Raya, who's just so like distrusting of people and everything like that, I think it helped her kind of see obviously <laughs> through through everything and trust um, Sisu's opinions and seeing it from her point of view too. So if, you know, from Hannah's point of view too, a child kind of looking at Sisu, looking at somebody who, you know, that they can trust, um, it's very powerful. And you can you can say a lot about um, you know Sisu being naive and um, you know her goofy character kind of like brings out a lesser version of her, but I think that version was a good choice in a sense, not just for the kids, but just to manifest and create mm -hmm. the story that they needed to have. Mm. Yeah. The, the light the lightheartedness absolutely would you know i'm i'm glad i think that would have been great for a character choice you know to have a fun loving lighthearted you know i did definitely character. feel like oh gosh she's being so weird right now especially she's when being, she was yeah. doing all like the the swimmer mm -hmm. puns and stuff like that but oh you were doing a rope swingy thing oh sorry <laughs> it's like yes of course she was doing rope <laughs> what stop like so naive was the big word that stuck out in my head. Yeah, most of the time, I didn't. She rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't feel like trusting her. I, I didn't want to because be around her. Because she was her, so frankly. naive, right? Like, yeah. like I said, there's two different points that, that you can see at it. Like when it's like you are the people. All the people in this world know that you being a dragon is is an immense deal. Like, uh, you know, you're not. I don't know. It was like she had so much power just simply in her in her nature. Um, and and you know, I wouldn't have minded the design so much that she looked like a soft, cuddly for a unicorn. If then, when we met some of the other dragons later, maybe there was more variety in their appearances too. Um, you know, maybe some more lustrous uh, colors. Uh, maybe some of them had more fierce faces, even perhaps. Mm. You know, because in like Spirited Away, Haku is a is a water dragon who is mm. yeah the wolf face. A, it's a thing face but like at the same powerful face the trust that you develop with with him and could and could rip you limb from limb but he's also a water spirit who's there life and, and be friend you know i don't know it will, um, it's a yeah I, th I think i it wasn't a wrong decision that they made necessarily i think there could have been a more balance like just more in her in her personality but you know to, to each their own i'm happy to grant i think the only thing you know that that struck me the most because I feel like I, I love the movie, don't get me wrong, but it was definitely like 
missing something that I can't like put my finger on. I've been trying to figure that out too. Like, and I want to stress that I did like it. Like, again, it's this great story. It is a great story. Um, it's, it's the nuance and the details that I'm still trying to like, I'm still trying to process. I think in the overall like arch of the thing, like from, from the stone to the dragon to her being reborn and then that I'm, I'm not, there's some connections that I'm not making maybe because I didn't sit with this long enough, but like, does the, does the plot of how things actually go make sense to everyone else? Like, well, I'm, I'm really good at projecting my own like internal biases on things just to make help, help things make sense. But I see how this movie combines just so many disparate elements that might not necessarily cohere um, for everybody. Um, yeah. Hannah, why did you, did this make sense to you? Was that, yeah, I I think it um was a bit predictable. I actually was shocked how fast it was. Like the runtime was really short. I felt like she was like bam 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 like city to city like was so fast to me. Um like I seriously think that she went to uh oh my gosh, the one with Tong. I keep forgetting what it's called. Fine. Yeah. Like they that was went an interesting scene <laughs> for like five seconds. <laughs> and I just yeah. felt like I would have wanted to like explore those city, like those regions like a bit more, but um, I don't know. And no, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Back and think like this movie's probably not meant for me. It's meant for like a younger audience with a shorter attention span, but I felt like it went pretty fast. I agree with you 100%. And this ties into my comment about like with Philip where they had really great dungeoneering Indiana Jones mm -hmm. things happening. And, but why I think it was sort of a shallower version of that and not quite on par was because she went bam, bam, bam to all these different locations. And she pretty much like, she got to the city. She knew exactly where she needed to go and exactly how to get there. And the pathways, and it was almost too easy it wasn't too easy to where i was like annoyed by the film the whole time like there was usually a hurdle that she genuinely like uh chai the flower because okay so when she got to the to the city with um the the old lady who she was the chief you know yeah, tell and him. she shows up there and she's like all right dang hai has the th has the gem and i'm gonna go get it and she of course gets chased by the girl and the monkeys you know whatever and then she's like oh i know what i'm you guys are gonna be my distraction so she uses them a distraction and then she gets up to the top of the of the of the house, the castle, whatever, and she sees him standing there. And I'm like, how did she know that dang high was gonna be? She knew exactly where he was gonna be, that he was gonna be standing there waiting for her. So this is all happening too easy, but then it wasn't him. And so I was like, okay, that was really nice. Like that it, it's mm -hmm. Chai the flower guy and not dang high the you know that would have been too easy right? she's able to retrieve that gem shard fairly easily because those MacGuffins happen to be the one thing that is able to ward off the drone as well so the the leader was you know using as as a way to threaten um sisu you know to try to get her to tell her you know where where's raya where are the other pieces um and yeah, it's um, so, you know, there's just various coincidences, I guess, a fortunate fortuitous coincidence is that um, allow the plot to progress. And I, I thought they came about in a nice sort of 
synchronistic way um, for the most At part. At the end in Fang, mm-hmm. um, they're all in the castle and they're running and the Druun are attacking and Raya very epically, I must say, was striding up toward the castle, you know, with mm-hmm. her hat and cloak and sword drawn and everything. She gets in there and it's full of people who are screaming and running around. And at the top of the pedestal, the chief has been turned to stone, but Namari is fine right next yeah. to her. I was like, why is she stone and no one else in this building? What is? I was hoping that that <laughs> staff, that was an epic staff with that. that sick staff. Yeah, I was hoping that would be used as like a weapon in an epic fi- showdown with the chief at some point. <laughs> it was just there for cos- cosmetic purposes. Yeah. So Courtney, I, I want to ask you also about Raya herself. Um, and Hannah, you you have to duck out here. Um, and we we gotta wrap this whole thing up too fairly soon. But um, this is what kind of sets the movie above and beyond for me. Um, Raya is basically an anti-hero, and you can see how she could easily be viewed as the antagonist if the story were told from another character's perspective but yeah Courtney uh what would you think of Raya I as like a personal myself not as a Disney princess I really liked her I liked her just I'm very in person or just like at parties or just working in customer service like I said early just like very um I like to feel people out right and Raya is smart in that sense like if she was in the real world like she'd probably be like doing her own life like doing well right and she obviously is in the movie too so I really enjoyed her strong character in that sense and but also because she was so headstrong and mature and wise she was a very capable person you know she was very capable and she knew herself really well um and that is something that I can take away and act with the kids. You know what I mean? Like be yourself kind of thing. You're capable, you um, can do anything in any situation. Um, But like that maturity level kind of was able to guide her in the right direction, but also she didn't have to be so mature all the time when she met Sisu and Sisu teaching her these lessons about trust and everything like that. Um, and the inability to trust others um, is definitely her biggest flaw, right? Um, and her ability to not necessarily, I wouldn't say like give it up, but um, learn how to work with her inability to trust um, and working towards those issues by trusting Sisu and her word, I think was really nice, like a good touch. and. Obviously, Raya's she's very focused, goal-oriented, determined, um, and those are some really great characteristics that I like to find in a modern Disney princess. Yeah. She had a good role model in her father. Yeah, <laughs> but I definitely see her flaws. Like, I like, I think the reason Sisu was so goofy was to balance out Raya's seriousness her stubbornness in a sense too. Um, So it's gonna be really interesting to see how, you know, (laughs) how people, how other people react to Raya. Like, I hope they see her as great as I do. (laughs) 
yeah hannah i loved her like um kind of what i was saying before is she's such a different princess and i think that we put little girls in this box of you know ball gown perfect hair like all of these things and i loved that she was so uh like normalized and just a different type of girl because not every little girl like wants to wear skirts and like twirl around like Mm -hmm. some of them want to be best friends with a gerbil thing I don't know what tuck tuck is but you know and I love the sense of being yourself and follow your heart can really truly be a feeling and not this like cookie cutter Sure. Look. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and Dawson, um, by the way, she's voiced by Kelly Marie Tran, uh, who's a prominent character in Star Wars, in the Star Wars sequel trilogy, Rose Tico. Uh, I thought it was a wonderful performance, performance. from her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, w- w- see you, Hannah, if you're Bye, taking Anna. off. Bye, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> um and then yeah 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 Dawson you're you're out of here but um uh yeah your kind of thoughts on Raya and, and some of your final yeah, thoughts on I, I really like Raya a lot um I aesthetically um just wonderful I mean she's a she was a princess who was raised uh in with martial arts training and um I like how you know she grows and yeah she she dresses apart it's not like she's choosing between ball gowns and, and warrior wear. It's she's wearing warrior wear because she's a warrior and she's on an adventure. And, um, and that's awesome. It's super awesome. I love, yeah, no, uh, really, really great. And uh, she, I, I, I agree for the most part with what you said, Courtney, about um, how she's a serious person. So the dragon has to balance her out. She, but she isn't like, over she's not that serious because you we see her right away and you know in the beginning she does she does talk with the, the Fortnite middle school lingo of you know we're we're dragon nerds and you know i'm a, i love swords and swords look so cool and Absolutely. you know she has so there's a lot so there's a lot of there's a lot of she has a lot of goofy banter and she maybe i, I didn't notice a whole lot that she was like clearly struggling to trust people because i mean she and sisu i mean they were they work together immediately to solve problems and then when the, when the kid with the boat shows up um i didn't see her. she was like well you know you shouldn't come because i guess you're a kid but, she also I mean, doesn't was... eat any of the food that he makes oh that's true she didn't yeah she didn't eat his she food. tries um, trusting the baby and then she's like wait you're a con artist yeah so very very right to not trust the like, baby um <laughs> i think there's just like those types of instances in the moment in the, in the movie where yeah. it's, she's just like oh why <laughs> the, yes i so you're you're absolutely right okay well i don't think this is the big thing that the movie's missing but one thing that this movie is missing and actually i think a lot of movies maybe have been missing in a while is that big moment of conflict where there's really a wedge driven between the characters um and i'm talking about like shrek and donkey in shrek <laughs> one where they've grown and they've bonded and it's been it's been tough like they didn't like each other at first they they struggled to like to mesh their personalities and then they finally were like they were hitting their stride 
and then something went wrong and it broke the camel's back and then they declare that they hate each other and you're gutted as an audience member because they, they were getting along so well and then something horrible happened and you just, no, no, you need to get back together. Like you need to solve well, the problem. And so the stakes are never- Throw up a spoiler. Um, we should maybe throw up a spoiler alert just um, in case anyone hasn't seen the film. But yeah, I think we should get into the subject, definitely. Uh, sorry, continue. Oh, Dawson. no, and just the, that these, um, I haven't seen animated movies, especially that like that really go all out on on that feeling because uh, it's really uncomfortable. I mean, as a kid watching the movies, I like I hated when that happened. I was like, no, that's so irritating. Why would Shrek and Donkey hate each other? That's stupid. But it's so important to have that feeling because then the resolution is all the more satisfying anyway. I mean, um, they did but... kind of like not as as extreme as it was in in Shrek, but they did have a moment like that when Raya sends the note to, um, oh, what's her name? Na to Namari, yes. Namari. Namari, and she comes to, you know, talk with Raya, that that's yeah. kind of like that moment, right? Where you, you're, as an audience, you think like, all right, they're finally coming together. Like they're gonna do some good. And then there's that, that conflict. Definitely yeah, not that, as that wasn't... extreme as the <laughs> Shrek and Donkey relationship. But I love I love that point, and I like that. Um, that I did like I did like that moment as well. I, that's a moment that that I need to spend more time thinking about because it, it happened fast and it was interesting. And I was kind of like, ah, what? Like, confu- I don't know, maybe confused the whole time because she did pull that crossbow, and I was just like, why? Because here's the dragon, here's the thing, and then her finger was in the trigger hole, which is very bad trigger discipline. So any, t- you know, so Raya had every reason to shoot first in that instance, but um, I, <laughs> it was, so it was, yes, I, I liked that moment and I, and it, but I just need to parse through it more to kind of understand the back and forth. I love that they shot the dragon in the chest and it died. That was awesome. Um, but <laughs> yeah, cause I was sad that the dad I, didn't get I, shot in the chest. I mean, it was, it was cool that he deflected the arrow, but then, oh, I took an arrow in the knee and now I'm going to stop running on this bridge. The, anyway. the protruding arrow yeah the was it even the chief who shot ba or uh you know ben benja i think no it, it was the audience because it was a first person shooter perspective for a second there the crossbow yeah. just came up and that <laughs> i love how the crossbow kept think, coming in as like i think it was under the command of chief verana from thing it was one of her guys i think because we see one of her henchmen holding a cross crossbow um so i, I mean obviously the five pieces all you know somehow end up with each of the five different um kingdoms or tribes and you know that that's just uh, an inciting incident that you know isn't designed to place too much blame however of course at the you know fang is concerned they're sort of willing to agree to unite the pieces, but on the condition that the the dragon stay with them, and um, you know they're they're kind of going to take this point position within the new Kumandra if if this all ends up happening. Which you know, I Raya, you know, the, everyone's kind of at fault, and this is just sort of the nature of diplomacy. Um, but then. Sisu is sort of the one wild card where she's just purely effervescent and and um, benevolent when she comes to her reasoning and um, willing to just be eternally generous 
Um, she's always, you know, and I think part of this is just because she's not a human. She doesn't think like humans do. The, the the dragons are just so generous with their powers. They share, you know, you learned that with uh, when they acquired the different pieces of the gem. She's getting different powers from her siblings. Uh, and I thought that was a really fun, kind of cool, you know, almost video gamey element, yeah. le- constantly leveling up like that. But but yes, yeah, she, she's, um, you know, perhaps providing a uh, lesson that you know, we should maybe all try to think less like humans and more like these magical dragons in how we go about our lives and be willing to just extend that little extra bit of generosity to people. Um, but yeah, it's, I, uh, I thought that was a, a neat way to kind of, to have this climactic conflict where I was almost wondering if like, are we going to flash forward to a time in the future where there's a museum with a gallery of all these statues that were just left to sit there at the end of this civilization of Kumandra? Are we witnessing the apocalypse that is the downfall of these people? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would have been cool. I really like the ending. Yeah. That is true. Like, I like the way it was definitely like, okay, Disney kind of moment, but... But I, I also really enjoy those types of moments too. And yes, mythically, metaphorically, yeah. as a, it's a, it is a wonderful ending um, where all the people. I mean, hu- humankind is redeemed essentially mm-hmm. by um, yeah. by mercy, by forgiveness, by trust, by the dragons and sin, the the sin creatures wiped away, and then they find they enter into the new kingdom. The and it's. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's wonderful. Um, and watching all the dragons back and flying around with each other, and you know, um, yeah. You know, the dragons didn't come back the first time around, and I I think from watching the movie, you know, the first time they made the dragon gem, they got rid of the droon. Um, all the people came back. They all came back from being turned to stone. But the second time around, when the humans put the gem back together. All of the people were turned back to people from stone and also the dragons too. So I really like your point about redemption from the humans in this sense, because they brought back not only all the people that they love, but they also brought back the dragons too. That's a really good point. I was trying to, I was trying to figure out like, that was what was bothering me about just like the rules of the magic of the world was like the dragons make this magic ball and they have to sacrifice themselves completely and they disappear and they bring the humans back. And then the ball breaks, but the pieces are still like the pieces still have power on their own and a dragon has come back. The dragon dies again. The humans put the oh, well. I kept shouting at them to do that sooner. <laughs> yeah, like I was like, too. "Why, yeah. why, why put them together? Put them together. What are you waiting for?" <laughs> like I mean, I guess there's no guarantee that it's that it's just gonna like fuse. Yeah. It, but like, you know, it's, it's kind of the obvious thing I would think. And they finally, so yes, then the humans use the dragon power to make the sacrifice. Yeah, no. So it's got when, a it's got a cool um. Yeah, when they reassemble the gem, I'm guessing it's a character from each of the five tribes that provides. Mm-hmm. They, they also, there was, yes. obviously there was Raya that gave a piece 
and started the the you know the circle <laughs> yeah boon the boon from boon, the boy boon was from, was from tail. tail and then the the baby was from talon tong was from from spine and then raya was from heart so they all gave a piece to namira and they all kind of put it back together right yes and they all yeah. gave of themselves too and i love that I love that they were they were literally they were sucked down into the, into the bowels of the earth into into the underworld, which is where they had to make the sacrifice and and then the the soul light you know Namari starts to you know move towards the light and then so it's it's just good you know um, mythic yeah. near all the obscurus yeah. yes <laughs> I couldn't stop thinking yeah. that um, yeah yeah the the ob- obscurials that was. Uh, I think it would have. I would have liked maybe if they, if amidst all of this swirly, whirly darkness, like that, there were these eerie, creepy, like shadows of you know human figures that would like run into a human and like turn them into stone. Just something to add a bit more of an immediately like scary and threatening factor. Because when it's just, oh, you know what they remind me. I was like, oh, these look just like the in Soul, the 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 um, what are they called? The bad. Oh, uh, the yeah. The, Lost the lost souls. souls, yeah. It was just the dark purple lost soul energy floating around. I haven't around. seen um, soul yet, so that's probably why I keep thinking of Harry Potter references. <laughs> that no, that's a good. Because when you because when you say yes. like a person or like a soul like popping out of like the the dark spooky stuff, I just think of like the the part of Deathly Hollows where they go to Sirius's house and there's that that ghost of. Dumbledore the, that yeah. warns them. Yes, like that more kind of, of scene. that would have been cool. Yeah, I think you know, <laughs> just personifying the okay. the purple swirly monster a bit. Because oh, even yeah. it, like in the never ending story, the 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 evil force of darkness. I think it was literally just called like the bad or something. Like it had a goofy name, but it had this yeah, the, nothing. the nothing. But it had this manifestation in this in this hideous, this horrifying wolf. So like, you know, there's, there's something, it's not just the shadow, but it's what's in the shadow. Anyway. You're kind of spot on. There's probably should have been some kind of like hallucination or or dream sequence related to the drone. You know, I think if this movie had more time, they would have incorporated things like that. I wish there was more lore Um, about the drone, like where they came from. I know that, you know, Sisu talked about how they were the opposite of dragons, but that doesn't like give me enough information to really understand how scary the drone is. I completely agree. Yeah, they just felt like this background. For most of the movie, they were just kind of this background force. And it's like, oh, they can't get near water. So as long as we live near water, we're fine. And it's like, they weren't threat that yeah. scary throughout most of it until the very end. Right. Yeah. And- they don't completely kill their victims either. There's still the hope of revival if you know they complete the necessary requirements. Yeah. And if they're the opposite of dragons, maybe having again having more of a an uh, an anthropomorphic persona, like an, an anti dragon. You know what an anti dragon look like? Maybe. Well, oh, Calamity Ganon is another perfect example oh of the dark God. swirly purple. Calamity Ganon. Yes. When exactly. he's like in in you you're talking Breath of Wild Calamity. No, absolutely. Okay, when he's all like yep. like creepy parts and yes. that would be a great 
great kind of manifestation of what the dream right. could have been because it has a face it has characteristics like you know that you can recognize like arms and legs but they're not really legs or arms yeah all malice but I, yep he can be just swirly shadowy vague shape but then it but then something comes out of yeah. that and it's something horrifying yeah yeah oh i'm you courtney you're so good. <laughs> but like yeah the, the obscurest imagery though is like a great mm-hmm. visualization of a just a purely tortured soul i do you know, yes kind of, there's there's part of that, that but I, even even in like fantastic beasts i was like why can't it be something cooler like yes it's swirly stuff but i like to you know, be able to really, like there. measure like how scary something can be, and something swirly and smoky and colorful doesn't represent scary to me. You know, completely agree. <laughs> like, yeah, Dumbledore's face in the smoke is in the story a far less like threatening thing than an obscurist, and yet far scarier. Yeah, that's <laughs> like... that's that freaks you out all of a sudden, right? Because it's coming uh-huh. right at you. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like smoky smoke can be on the water and you're fine. Smoke, smoke on, on the water. water. <laughs> it's like a bogger. Um, last thing, like a happy note before you have to yeah. go, Dawson. Um, did you notice like that effect of the, speaking of smoke on the water, the, the, the clouds coming in and dropping the rain on the people after they defeat the drone? Uh, didn't that remind you of like the old 80s fog machine effects from like, Raiders, The Lost Ark, Back to the Future. You know how they have they create the dramatic atmosphere and like Ghostbusters with the clouds. Oh, and they're yeah. just like they're not moving like clouds, but it's it's just this effect of a it's clearly fog, fog machine. machine. Yeah, I think I I didn't I didn't notice it at the time, but now that you mention it, yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. And that's like the closest I've seen anyone get to that specific effect in you know since like either the early nineties. Um, or the 80s um, and I just thought that was a great callback to that style and then you had a little bit of synth mixed into the yeah, score I was, just gonna, I was gonna I was thinking that I wasn't gonna say it but I was thinking about it yeah they're James Newton Howard uh, he's done so many Disney you know incredible Disney scores you know he did Atlantis Treasure Planet Dinosaur greatness yeah um, he did the last airbender there was even like a horn moment in this movie that reminded me of like the flourishes in the last airbender score which i really like that score mm-hmm. uh, from the m night Shyamalan film. yeah um but yeah so uh raya and the last dragon um you know it's a hit it, i noticed it been getting pretty universally positive review reviews even before seeing the film so i knew going into it that i was probably gonna like it but i i ended up feeling it really throughout the whole thing and um, there's a lot that i i really could appreciate about it uh the, from the vocal performances to the the animation the coloring um it all really clicked the action you know action i don't know yeah it was good action dialogue was a little fun i mean it got a little little bizarre at points i i definitely um sympathize with you dawson i like the little line you know it's kind of questionable but like the fellowship of droon butt kickery i like i like that i like that one too (laughs) just because the tongue i think we all know when we think of fellowship we yes. instantly go back to our, our our roots of nerdiness and think Lord of the Rings. Like yeah, that definitely hit roots. me in the heartstone yep. there. <laughs> Could not agree more. Yeah. Benedict Wan is, is great too. 
fellowship of Drun Butt Kickery. And then he didn't really do much. Uh, he he his function was to was to be the guy from Spine to make the dragons come back. Other than that, not a whole lot. But and that's yeah, there were a lot of characters, so you know you can't necessarily win them yeah, all. But some some pathos with that. He was cool. Yeah, I, I like the pathos. Was, I liked him. I I, I liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. Uh, well. Let's see. Hannah had to leave, but you can find her at Hannah Smart on Twitter. I know she uh, should be found there. They, we've got some links in the show notes and stuff. But um, I don't know. Uh, any any last notes, you guys, before we sign off? No, I'm all, I'm all good. All right. Um, we, we haven't mentioned on here the closure of Blue Sky Studios, um, the Disney-owned formerly, you know, under the Fox umbrella animation studio behind Ice Age films. And Jody and I uh, talked about Spies in Disguise on here recently. And that was some sad news to hear. I just wanted to bring that up on the Thoughtcast. So moment of silence for Blue Sky Studios. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe they'll bring them back one day. I, I'm kind of upset with Disney for this. <laughs> it's like the worst thing Disney's done in my mind in, in a while. But there's probably reasoning behind it. I don't well, know. There's always reasoning behind things, whether it's good or not. That's the... Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. They even had a movie in development. So, yeah. Disney, you, uh, the house of mouse <laughs> always <yeah>. wins. <laughs> the house always well, wins. <laughs> Well, Courtney, it was very nice to meet you. You work with Hannah and Jody quite a bit as well, doing princess cosplays. You specialize in some of the Asian characters, I know. You're probably going to do a, a Raya eventually? Yes. Um, we're getting the costume commissioned soon, and nice. I'm very excited to play her. It's going to be cool. Like I said, I I like her, her demeanor, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And I think it will be easy for me to play her because she's so headstrong and mm-hmm. capable and just like knows herself too. So it'll be really you fun. You sound to play her. like her too. You got a good voice. Uh, you sound uh, similar. Thank you. you know, speaking. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Have fun with that. That's going to be cool. I will. It's going to be <laughs> a great time. Can people find you anywhere on social media? I, not yet. I don't have any social media, to be honest. Oh, good on you. <laughs> but I will be. I'll be making some soon for specifically my cosplays. So, well, Dawson, plugs. Uh, you had that film. Um. So yeah, some friends of mine made a fantasy film. Uh, speaking of fantasy, so on Instagram, search Hidden Falls. Uh, follow it. Uh, a trailer has dropped, and um, we're hoping to release the first episode coming up soon. So. All right. Wonderful. Kumandra forever. Good to meet you, Courtney. Uh, <laughs> Good to meet you, too. Um, I, I'm Philip Elke, and this is the Thoughtcast Conversations about animation. Find on various podcast streaming platforms and uh, thoughtcast.com uh, at Thoughtcast on Twitter and Instagram. Find me, Philip Elke, at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you all have a magical day, a wonderful week, and warm hugs.